Well, we are still continuing the series of the origin story, the origin story of of, uh, how we became Christians and how we're walking in our Christian faith. And uh, this is one of my particular favorite passages of Scripture because um, it brings us back as we study the origin to the book of Genesis. And as you recall, when Adam and Eve appeared on the scene in the book of Genesis, there was uh, perfection. They had unity with God. They had unity with their environment. Everything was wonderful. And uh, they had abundant life that Jesus talked about in John 10.10. 10. They had fellowship with God Himself, walking in the cool of the evening with God. They had a ordained divine purpose that had been given to them by God. And... Um, They had His peace. They experienced His peace that Jesus talked that surpasses all understanding in real time. And so that was quite a wonderful existence that they had. And as you recall, there was a tree involved and a choice involved that changed all that. And uh, that has been the story of mankind ever since. But as this passage will represent this evening... And God loving the world so much that He sent His only begotten Son that He's been in the process of restoring us to that original origin plan that was pointed out in the book of Genesis. And so He's been working for our restoration as well as our redemption ever since. So as we pick up this passage tonight in John 14 verses 15 through 31, if you want to follow along in your Bibles. I put at the end of our last passage, Pastor Jeff talked about uh, Jesus preparing a place for us, coming back for us. He talked to the disciples about He was leaving. And I'm not sure they really understood, as He pointed out in several passages, what He was talking about. But at this passage that... uh, Pastor Jeff shared last week, John 14, 6 and 7, is probably the clearest that Jesus pointed out to the disciples who He really was. And as we talked about that last week, it says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Me. If you know Me, you will also know My Father. From now on, you do know Him and have seen Him. Jesus goes on to elaborate just how amazing grace is in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And this evening, we're going to see how it's really beyond amazing, the grace of God. So I don't know if many of you know, before I did this, I was in sales and marketing for 30 years. I was an outside salesperson for a large plastics company and sold plastic resins for them in this territory. And uh, every year we would have to come up with a, uh, a scenario for the budget, our sales budget, what we were going to make and sell for the company that year. And there was always an adage that was uh, given to us as a salesperson that you you, you, under, uh, you under-promise, but you over-achieve. You under-promise, but you over-achieve. 
And so uh, we would always come in with our boss and negotiate on the sales uh, budget of what we were going to sell. And the adage involved there was that you come in low and then deliver above what your profit was for that uh, sales cycle. And then that would get you a bonus and some other things. Now, you know, granted, I'm not really sure about the ethics involved in that, but that's uh, for another sermon or something. So we'll leave that alone for tonight. But uh, under promise and over deliver. And I can honestly say tonight that what this subject matter talks about is that Jesus perfectly promised and perfectly delivered on those promises in a way that makes grace truly amazing. And we're going to look at that this evening. So if you look at your passage there, we're going to start with verse 15, and we're going to go all the way through verse 31. And Jesus is talking about specifically the uh, third part of the Trinity, or the Holy Spirit. And we're going to be looking at how that enlightens our lives as well as empowers us to do things that we wouldn't normally think we could do. So Jesus perfectly promised and he perfectly delivers on five supernatural blessings. And we'll start in verse 15 of chapter 14. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. Now, I just love that passage of how it describes that Jesus was telling we were going to receive another helper, not just one that was uh, kind of like him or around the way, about a way of him, but that it was going to be exacting the divine nature of him. So the key to all of this is in your outline there. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. This is on the same concept that Jesus conveyed to the disciples over and over and over, that he loved the Father. The Father loved him. He only came to do the Father's will. He only came and and counseled with the Father and did his will. It's the same concept that he's leaving with us. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now that word commandments would be another good term for obedience. In other words, if you love me and you've made a profession of faith for me, you'll be obedient to me. And as we see, both commandments and obedience, I think, rub against us naturally because of just our rebellion. But if we truly think of it in terms of the way Jesus put it, with what he did on the cross, his his salvation for us, and his living in us, that our obedience or the commandments that we keep are in response to what he's done for us, not to earn that or not to be uh, on the the earning side of getting his affection. So he always points this out that commandments 
We could look at that from many of the different commandments in Scripture. We could look at it from the simple commandments that Jesus gave to simply trust in Him as salvation. We could simply look at it from the entire uh, realm of the entire revelation from the Father. And as we do that, we see that that would uh, be in the form of our sanctification as we as we know more and more about His commands or we're knowing more about, about the obedience of His calling of us, we hear and we see more of His evidence of life in us. And so <clears throat> that love and obedience are inseparable. In other words, it's not, it's not possible to love Jesus Christ and not be obedient to Him or call yourself a Christian and not be obedient to uh, the obedience and the commands of our Lord and Savior. So I put there that the is n love, not law. Love, not law. In other words, it's not a list of do's and don'ts that we are trying to do to earn the favor of God. It's because of the favor of God that we have favor. That First John 5 Two and three verse I put in your outline there. I've supplemented some of these uh, verses tonight with uh, uh, supporting verses. That first John verse said that if we love him, we'll keep his commandments. And that his commandments or that his obedience is not burdensome to us. That's important because when you look at all of the different commands and all the different things that Jesus said in Scripture, you might think, wow, I could never do any or all of those kinds of things. But as we're going to see as we go on in the Scriptures tonight in this particular passage, that the power of the Holy Spirit comes into our life and gives us supernatural power that we would not normally have, plus supernatural knowledge that we would not normally have in obedience and in keeping the commandments that Jesus talked to us about. So he says, I will ask the Father and he'll give you another helper. I love that word, another. Another in the Greek translation, there are two forms of this another. One is another of a different kind, which we could use that kind of another. And in this particular case, it's another of the same kind. So he's saying, I will give you another helper. In other words, another entity just like me, just as divine as me, just as uh, truthful as me, just as wise as me. And I'll give you another that he may be with you forever. Isn't that a comforting thought that once we become a Christian or that uh, when the Holy Spirit came, that that spirit was going to be with us forever. In other words, that it was representation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and he will never leave us or forsake you. That is the spirit of truth who the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. We know this for a fact. If you look at any of unbelievers in the world, they don't have the Holy Spirit. Why? Because they don't love the Lord and they don't obey what he says, specifically by coming to faith and salvation in him. So the world doesn't love or obey, but the Holy Spirit will be with us as believers forever and ever. 
And it, I put in there that the Holy Spirit will abide with us forever and ever. That word abide in the Greek is the same word that Jesus uses in chapter 15 coming up next week, where it talks about vine Jesus and us being good branches grafted to vine Jesus and abiding in the vine. That abiding literally means to just hang out with. If you're with a friend all the time or you're made all the time and you hang out with them, you're abiding in them. And that's exactly what the uh, passage is talking about here, hanging out with uh, the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit will be in us forever. That Romans verse talks about that we're not in the flesh anymore. We're in the Spirit. And then the 1 Corinthians 6 verse talks about that our body is a temple for the Holy Spirit. This vessel that I live in is a, is a holy vessel for the uh, indwelling of the Holy Spirit and in you as well. So that should have a different impact when we look at things we do with our body or how we treat our body or how we feed our body or other things that we're dealing with the temple that God set up for himself. So the second, the second supernatural blessing is life, life. Verse 18 through 19, I will not leave you as orphans, he said. I will come to you. After a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live and you will live also. Now, I love the way that the uh, passage deals with this concept of life because there are two kinds of life, and I already expounded upon one of them when I opened this uh, study this evening was in the Garden of Eden. As you recall, in that first or second passage or second chapter of Genesis, God breathed life into Adam. And that was just not biological life. It was spiritual life as well. And so when we disobeyed him and became separated from him, we got cut off from that life. And the only thing we have now without Christ is biological life. And we're here, we're breathing, we can do all of our sensory things, but uh, the Bible says that only He is true life. And so that's why uh, God has been wooing us ever since back to that life and back to that coexistence with Him. I love how he says well, he's not going to leave us as orphans. An orphan is a, is a child without any parents. And he was not, he, he was not telling the uh, disciples that he was going to leave them as orphans. And he was going to come back and he was going to be with them and not only be with them, but was also going to give them life. So I put Jesus is always with us. Jesus will never forsake us or leave us. And it's evidenced by the presence of the Holy Spirit when you become a believer. On the contrast, when he came back after he had been resurrected, no unbelievers saw him. 
That was in 1 Corinthians 15. And it's interesting that uh, only the believers that had believed in him and he made known to them that he was alive. So not only does Jesus secure our eternal life, which he had talked to the disciples before about in Pastor Jeff's segment before mine tonight, that he was preparing a place for them, he was going away, he was coming back, he was going to receive them to himself, which was an eternal perspective. But he was telling them that he was going to give them life. In other words, when we believe in Jesus Christ, we have the empowerment to experience John 10.10, life abundantly, life that is beyond our biological life, life from the standpoint of knowing God, knowing His life, and knowing His love. So I put there, it's a, it's a matter of the Zoe life infused with our biological life the abundant life of Jesus Christ. And as you talk, as I, as I remember back in Scripture, you remember the passage that Jesus said, narrow is the way to life, and few find it. He was talking about the Zoe life, that unless we're connected to the source of life, we will never, ever know that life. And so that's one of the things that Jesus was talking about if the Spirit would reveal to us was life and this Zoe life itself. We have a we have a ability to at this point in living in the vessel and with all of our mind, will, and emotions, the mind, will, and emotions really are a neutral factor, are they not? I mean they can they can be swayed by the world and, and the enemy, or they can be swayed by the revelation from the Holy Spirit. And many times we're swayed by our emotions. I feel this way, and before you know it, your feelings become your will, and you're doing things that you know you shouldn't be doing, but that uh, you've been taken captive by something that's not you. So I love that uh, Colossians verse 3 says, set your mind on things above and things eternal. Set your mind on things above and things eternal. In other words, set your mind, will, and emotions on reflecting who you are in Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. By the power of the Holy Spirit. Because if you are reflecting the life of Christ and reflecting the power of the Holy Spirit in you, that will translate into your will and your emotions. How many times has it been said that a lot of times Scripture tells you something that you know your feelings don't want to really line up with, but if you cause your will to follow that directive in Scripture, Many, many times your emotions will then fall in line with the truth of Scripture and your will taking that step. And so that's important. That's why the Apostle Paul specifically in all of his books talks about setting your mind, 
uh, girding your mind for action, girding other things that we think about in the reflective space of the Holy Spirit in our life. So Jesus talked about it. The helper would come. He talked about experiencing true life, abundant life that he had talked to them about. The third supernatural blessing is our union with him and with the Father. Verse 20, in that day you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. Lord, what then has happened that you are getting to or going to disclose yourself to us and not the world? Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and he will come to him and make our abode with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while abiding with you. So it says clearly that, and Jesus pointed this out clearly in his uh, teachings as well, that uh, he was one with the Father, the Father was one with him. And now he's saying that as believers, and, and we have the receipt of the Holy Spirit as a seal, we're going to be one with the Son and one with the Father as well. In other words, we're going to be co-heirs and co-experiences uh, uh, with the Trinity itself. And so that's uh, a, a surprising demonstration of God's grace in that we not only do not deserve salvation, but we don't deserve to have the very being that created the universe living with us in us and sharing the things of God with us on an intimate basis. And so he said, these things I have spoken to you while abiding with you. As we fulfill this uh, journey we're on, we're going to see that uh, Jesus prayed the pr priestly prayer in John chapter 17. And this is a fulfillment of that prayer that Jesus prayed just before he went to the cross, that the ones that were chosen, the ones that he had, he didn't lose one of them except for Judas, and that he was bringing them all to a unity within Him, with the Father, and with the Holy Spirit. And that prayer has been fulfilled ever since it was prayed. I looked at one other verse this week, 1 Corinthians 6.17 says that when we join ourselves to the Lord, we're joined as one Spirit. One Spirit. So we're joined as one Spirit to God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now this has some implications to it because if we're that unified because of birth, 
Shouldn't we be that unified in our demonstration of faith with each other and to the world? And sadly, though, the church is, you know, a hodgepodge of different meshes of different ideas and people get all bent out of shape about music or preaching or this or that and they're going to split and do this or that when in fact we're unified by the power of God himself through the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So it make us, should make us think twice when uh, again our flesh gets in the way and we want to have our own way about something that we revert back to the reflection of the Holy Spirit in us and the reflection of the unity that God has with us as believers in dealing with either a brother or sister in Christ or dealing with other issues that need uh, divine wisdom. It says that it's... um, that we are loved by the Father through Jesus' Son and indwelt by the Holy Spirit. I know that uh, one of Pastor Jeff's favorite verses, and I wanted to read this out of Ephesians tonight. It says that, uh, Ephesians 2.10, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. In other words, if you're here as a believer tonight, sitting here, you were prepared for good works before the foundation of the work that God is working out in His timing and His perfect will that you will accomplish. I also uh, like how that the works that we're doing and the fruit performed by God, that He's doing that through the Holy Spirit and that His love is being poured out into every believer's heart so that um, they would have an overwhelming sense of God's love. And I love this other part of Ephesians down in chapter 3. In verse 15, from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through the spirit in the inner man or woman so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth. He runs out of dimensions to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. The Spirit is there to teach us, to teach us about Jesus and to teach us about the things of God, the Father, and that we would be filled up with Him. You talk about abundant life, being filled up with the presence of God, being filled up with the knowledge of what He knows, being filled up in His love. That's abundant life, folks. That's abundant life, and that's exactly what Jesus promised us. Fourthly, 
we get a supernatural teacher. Verse 26. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Now I put in bold there, he will teach in that verse. And in verse 25 and in verse 26, Jesus says, I have spoken or I said to you. Now Jesus was one of the probably the best teachers that was ever, that ever came. Jesus Christ was probably the best teacher on the face of the earth. Why in the world did Jesus say in that verse, instead, he will teach you, the Holy Spirit will teach you. Why did Jesus say, all that I have taught you? Any thoughts on that from anybody out there? Jesus said, I have spoken, I have said to you. Why did, you, why did Jesus not say, all that I have taught you? because he was a great teacher. Well, it's because when the Holy Spirit comes, and Jesus is pointing this out and making an example of it to the disciples, that while he had physical presence with them, he was not going away. He was just not going to be physically present with them anymore. It did not diminish the fact that he was still going to be alive. And so the Holy Spirit would teach us what Jesus says because he's a living Lord and he would also reference us to and teach us scripturally from the whole canon of scripture that had not been penned yet. So what a, what a reassurance that our Lord was telling the disciples that I have told you much, and I hope you remember a, a lot of what I've told you, but the Holy Spirit is going to come and indwell you and be in you and teach you and remind you of what I said and what I'm saying now, and also the truth of Scripture of all those that pin those books that make up the canon of the New Testament. So again, the Apostle Paul says the mind, will, and emotions are kind of neutral. You can follow the world or you can follow who you are in Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. He talks about in Romans 12, offering our bodies a living and holy sacrifice to Him because of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. In Romans 12, 2, he says, don't be conformed to the world. Don't be persuaded with your mind, will, and emotions to conform to the world, but be transformed by who you really are in Christ. Be transformed in your mind. Think differently because you are a new creation. You are not the same person you were. And you're being indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God to confirm that to you. In that 1 Corinthians 2 verse, it says that we have the very mind of Christ. 
You ever thought about that verse? We have the very mind of Christ. That should be comforting because when this crazy world gets out of control and we're really not sure what's going on or what to think, we can rest assured that the Holy Spirit will bring to mind the mind of Christ because we dwell in Him. So are you conformed this evening or being transformed? It, I like this illustration that I read about this. It's a little like uh, listening to the radio station. Like if you were listening to KSBJ and uh, driving around and maybe you have it on and you've decided you're going to take a trip to Dallas. Well, if anybody's listened to KSBJ, it doesn't take very long to know that their signal is not that strong because by the time you get to Huntsville, it's a little weak and it's fading in and out, but by the time you get to Madisonville, it's mainly all gone. And so it's, I use that illustration because it's a little like uh, turning to the Holy Spirit when we need to tune in to the things of God. In other words, the world will push us and work on our emotions and work on all kinds of things that we have to draw us away and have us go up the road to Madisonville so we don't hear the signal of the Holy Spirit anymore. But if we stay in touch with the Holy Spirit and we stay in close proximity to Him and abide in Him, as I pointed out, hang out with Him, the Holy Spirit's going to carry us and show us the abundant life that Jesus talked about. Even in the midst of our circumstances, and this is one of the areas that's so um, difficult in ministering to folks who are ill and having health issues, is that a lot of times it draws upon the other realm. A lot of times we have to be thinking in terms of the other realm. What is God doing? Just not in this physical realm that we live in, but what is God doing in this expanse of all of what's going on in both the temporal and the eternal realm for His glory. And I love what Jeff says often. He says that if we knew everything that God knows, we would choose and do exactly the same as Him. I love how he puts that. Lastly, we get a supernatural peace a supernatural peace or restoration. Verse 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. You heard that I said to you, I go away and I will come to you. If you love me, you would have Rejoiced because I go to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. Now I have told you before it happens, so that when it happens, you may believe. In other words, he's given them a glimpse of the eternal realm here. I will not speak much more with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me. The ruler of this world, folks, Satan, the enemy, 
the one that messes with us, the one that barks at us all the time has nothing in you or I. But so that the world may know that I love the Father and do exactly as the Father commanded me, get up, let's go from here. And they left to go to the garden. I love this passage because, as we've all heard, this kind of peace is not an absence of problems, an absence of violence and stuff that goes on in this fallen place. It's a peace that comes supernaturally from the hand of God, and it's delivered to us through the Holy Spirit. Delivered to us through the Holy Spirit. That's why if your radio reception is not picking it up, you won't have this kind of peace. And that's why we have to draw close to him. We have to abide in him. We have to hang out with him because that's where the source of this peace comes from. I put in your notes there, this is similar to the greeting that the Hebrews used to give each other with shalom. Shalom, if you've, if you've been with us to the Holy Land, uh, they are often heard saying shalom to each other. It means peace and greeting, but it means so much more than that. It's a godly form of expression that means not only peace, but wholeness, harmony, completeness, prosperity, welfare, and flourishing in the presence of God. That's what shalom means. And that's what the Holy Spirit is telling us if we will only tune into the radio station with the nonsense and the chaos of this life, that Jesus' peace is real and it will wash over us and it will keep you in his peace. Jesus reigns over death. He reigns over Satan. He reigns over the fear of death. And he restores the kingdom, God's rule in our life. As you recall, he said it on the cross. It is finished. We have to believe it. We have to believe it. And we have to appropriate it through the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit will give us peace. He gives us that peace in Philippians 4, 7 that surpasses all understanding. And he maintains the harmony of peace in Christ in Colossians 3. And he makes us whole through his sovereign rule in 2 Thessalonians. So as I open the session this evening... I talked about Adam and Eve in the garden before the fall, how they enjoyed abundant life, how they had fellowship with God directly with Him, where they had a divinely ordained purpose for their lives, and where they experienced this peace I just described, the peace that surpasses all understanding, the peace that is completely a whole lacking nothing in God the Father. And God wants us to experience that again with our relationships here in this temporal place and ultimately in His glory in the eternal realm 
by his relationship and our relationship to Jesus Christ, our Savior, because we are one spirit. We're one with God the Father, one with him, and one with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit has been sent into your life to remind you daily, to remind us that we are born again. We are new creations in him, and we belong to a different value of systems than what we're taught every day in this world. So may we live that way this next week, and uh, may we just reflect on the greatness of God's grace in how he gave us that. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your magnificent grace, Father, that we didn't deserve you coming and loving us, let alone saving us, let alone indwelling us. Father, your grace is truly amazing. Father, we thank you so much that uh, you love us so much to have accomplished that. And Lord, that because of that love, we would be obedient. We would uh, take seriously your commands and we would, would endeavor to, through the power of the Holy Spirit, live a life that honors you, live a life that is productive for you and gives you glory. And Father, in return, we experience your abundant life. Lord, we thank you so much for this uh, series of, uh, of uh, learning the origins of where we came from and where we're going. And Father, that uh, you'll continue to use uh, Pastor Jeff in the coming weeks to enlighten your word to us that we would uh, be of greater use to you. Father, we thank you for this and ask your blessings on it. In our mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.